Welcome to the Theology of Work podcast. The Theology of Work project exists to provide a biblical perspective on faith and work. In the following interview, Dr. Sean McDonough, professor of New Testament at Gordon-Connell Theological Seminary, talks about how the book of Revelation applies to the workplace. All right, so talk about the book of Revelation and work. Now, most people thinking of business or work or finance, you know, they would think of those things as just very, is very practical, very down to earth. Uh, most people are engaged in those things every day throughout their entire lives. And when we think about uh, academia and theology, we think of the exact opposite. And so, you know, to try to get help for, you know, how we work, and you know, most people wouldn't really think of, you know, theology is being able to provide something and and then the book of Revelation alone you know you would seem to be like the last place to look for you know something meaningful right well let's take the big one first then theology and work what, what, what mm -hmm. does the one have to do with the other um, I would hope that most people who believe in God would imagine that somehow God must care about what we now, of course, if you hang around some churches long enough, you might get the idea that all God cares about is what happens on Sunday. But I think if you, you read the Bible sort of at random for five minutes, you're going to see that it's always bumping up against the stuff of everyday life. And there's lots and lots of stuff in the Bible that directly addresses work. You can think of the book of Proverbs or some of the things that uh, Paul wrote. You see that Jesus is showing up in the workplace, Matthew's tax collector's uh, office or booth or whatever it was, um, Peter's small uh, fishing uh, little little business there that he's got. Uh, so it doesn't take much to see for any Bible-believing Christian that God really does care about work. And you can undergird that, I think, with a, a sound theology that reminds people that God created everything, and he wants every area of life to express his glory. He created people to, to work. Yeah, we have the curse, and that makes uh, things difficult. You might justly hate your job, or you might unjustly hate your job. It's all part of the fall. Um, but that, too, is part of a robust theology of work, is how things go wrong. So theology does have a lot to say about <laughs> about work, why we work, what, what the point of it is, how we should work, how we treat one another at work, all those kind of things. Um, Revelation in particular, the first thing people have to recognize is that it's not simply a prediction of things to come. Right? Uh, it, it includes that, but it's really a pastoral word which was meant to be heard by John's people. It's a letter, just like Paul's letters or the letters of Peter or James. Uh, it's a letter that's meant to be heard um, by people in John's day, and just as Paul's letters have ongoing resonance, so with the book of Revelation. Um, so the first point is, Revelation is a message to the churches. It's not just predictions. And when you look at the content of that revelation, even though it comes in this kind of strange visionary form, uh, it becomes pretty clear that our financial lives are very much on the radar of revelation. It's very much a part of what John is saying to the churches, what the Spirit is saying through John, and uh, through John not only to those churches then, but to our churches now. Um, think of the church at Laodicea, a very prosperous um, city in Asia Minor. And they had a wool industry and a medical school and all sorts of wonderful things. Um, the church seemed to be enjoying the economic benefits of the city, but they were impoverished spiritually. So there's an example where um, perhaps something of the traditional view that 
wealth can be a corrupting influence on one's relationship with God. That's that's certainly there. And and by contrast, some of the other churches are materially poor but spiritually rich. Um, likewise, when we go into the visionary material, in chapter 18, we have this extended critique of Babylon, which is both, I think, the Roman Empire of John's day, but also all evil empires through the ages. And one of the reasons it's critiqued is for its exploitative economic practices, right? Sucking in things, goods and services and people from uh, their imperial conquests and, and not really sharing that out equitably. Um, mm -hmm. So while those are both negatively portrayed, as, let's face it, a lot of Revelation is uh, kind of bringing a word of judgment against corrupt practices, the critical thing is God has his eye on economic practices, both on the small scale of uh, church community, but also on the, the, the big scale. And so that gives us a theological vision for God's concern for these sort of things. And it doesn't say, okay, in the modern world, what constitutes a just economic practice, right? Uh, um, should we have fair trade coffee? Should we have tariffs on imported goods to protect local workers, right? All sorts of things that the Bible doesn't spell out. But it does tell us that God cares about those uh, economic interchanges uh, and that he addresses them in his word and that how we do or don't obey him in those areas is of immense concern. That's a great explanation, a great reason for why Revelation is, is perfect to think about work. How should we approach the text? Yeah, it's, and, and that is a, a lecture unto itself. How do we interpret the book of Revelation? Of course, perspectives differ. Um, I think on the positive side, we can say that the basic theological thrust of Revelation is no different than the rest of the New Testament. The emphasis is on remaining faithful to Jesus and living a life of faithful obedience. Um, so nothing new there, particularly avoiding idolatry. Um, so... Uh, to that extent, the message remains the same. I think Revelation is unique, as I've said, in the images it provides, and I think that helps speak to our imaginations, not just our kind of linear, rational faculties, but uh, an imaginative portrait of uh, how bad idolatry is and the glorious uh, blessings that await God's people in the new heavens and new earth. Um, and all of that, I think, is providing a big-picture vision of the context for our work. So we do have these places like Revelation 18 or the message to Laodicea that address um, work or economics fairly directly, but I think the chief value of Revelation is letting it speak to our imagination to give us this uh, comprehensive, deep look at the spiritual realities undergirding our, our everyday lives and to consider how do my own actions tap into these two cities, uh, Babylon and the, and the New Jerusalem. Now, the, the article is online, Revelation and Work, and uh, you wrote it, actually, and it was the first article on the website, but, you know, you weren't the only one working on that article. It was actually worked on as a group, the Theology of Work Steering Committee, and uh, there was some discussion around it before it was officially published. So what were those discussions like? Were there any disagreements in the group? on the article, and uh, how did you resolve those disagreements? No, I would say Revelation, if memory serves, and now it's getting to be uh, you know, a few years, 
I don't know that we had a ton of disputes, but I think it's partly because people just feel so kind of overwhelmed by the book at times that they don't know where even to begin to disagree. Now, of course, if, if someone rejects my basic operating principles of what, what the book is, and they think it's just predictions for the distant future, then, then we'd have plenty of disagreements, I suppose. But within the group, um, Revelation really didn't, as I recall, trigger a lot of, um, a lot of disagreement. But it, again, it's, it's because of the unique nature of the book. I can certainly think to other books. We think of um, what's the implications of the Sermon on the Mount or the book of Ecclesiastes um, or something like Isaiah where it's just so huge you struggle with what to include. And, and, and so I think people should recognize this. While, while Revelation is a bit of an exception, it really was a, an extremely iterative process. We kept going over and over from different angles, and it was so helpful to have people in the workplace, theologians, biblical scholars, people with a wide range of uh, intellectual interests, a wide range of life experience, um, all looking at the text in different ways. So it really is not the product of one person, um, but, but really a collaborative effort, probably with Revelation, um, the practical applications were something I didn't try to get too deeply into, so that that was probably more of a contribution from the group rather than um, rather than the material being changed sort of from the inside. So, what interested you the most about the article of Revelation? Well, I think it's um, the the big picture it provides and the imaginative picture it provides, which are two things I really like uh, even from childhood. I love the mythological stories and I, I just love to, to think through the, the deep reasons why things happen. And Revelation, to my mind, is really all about that, uh, particularly in the contrast of the, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have this city that expresses their will, the New Jerusalem, contrasted to what in Revelation is the, the Satanic Trinity, the dragon, Satan, the beast, who is sort of the Roman and other political powers, and then the second beast, the propaganda machine, the false Holy Spirit, and they have a city, a counterfeit city, Babylon, um, which looks like the real thing, partly because I think, uh, describe it as uh, the treasures of God which have been hoarded into the dragon's lair to create this, this illusion of a city, um, a counterfeit city, that the sort of dead-end street of the hijacked creation project, and so I just love that big vista that Revelation holds out for us. So how has the book of Revelation helped you, or how has it compared to your own experience in the workplace, even as a professor at a seminary? How would you say it's connected with your experience in the workplace? Again, what I what I think it does is, is it helps give that, I don't want to say mythological as if it's false, but that big picture of significance and, and what is the world all about? And I think um, in Revelation, the allure of idolatry is something that confronts everybody, right? Am I lecturing because I want to help people understand God and the world better to the extent God enables me to do that by His grace? Or is it feathering my own nest? Is it gaining a following for myself? If if so, I'm, I'm really operating by the principles of the city of man, as Augustine would say. I'm operating um, under a Babylonian framework, and if so, I'm only, in the end, serving Satan. 
So um, the point of bifurcating the two cities is not to say anything that goes by the name of Christian must automatically be good, even if it's a you know a seminary professor, and then anything in the world is bad. Um, I think bifurcating in that way helps show the radical choice we face every day to live by the values of the one or the other, um, and, and helps make the, the choices clearer by speaking to our imagination. Imagine a pastor is trying to write a sermon on Revelation. You know, how would this article help him to uh, sort of shepherd his own flock in the workplace? Again, this could this could take place in a, in a variety of ways. Um, if you're in the messages to the churches where there are kind of direct, um, by standards of Revelation, fairly clear um, admonitions to do this or, or, or not to, to, to do this, you can always just think, well, how would this apply in a, in a given workplace? Uh, again, though, I think with respect to the article, uh, chapter 18 in, in, in Babylon, chapter 18 in Revelation, not a, there's not 18 chapters in the article, I don't think. Um, in any event, uh, just getting pastors to see that God doesn't just judge people for religious things, but he judges their economic practices. Um, that should get people thinking. And uh, I think plenty of people would just skip over that chapter entirely, or if they addressed it, it would be in some religious context. You know, are you worshiping false gods? Um, rather than concretely addressing how we gain our money, how we use our money, what sort of economic system we're entangled with, those are the questions that Revelation 18 asks in very pointed fashion. And so there's a pastoral duty to consider uh, how this applies to your own flock. And for the, the normal Christian in the workplace, what are one or two practical ways that this article can apply to their daily lives? Again, there's, um, there's no need for pastoral mediation uh, in, in the case of... Uh, the Critique of Babylon, right? Everyone's perfectly capable of reading that and thinking, in my workplace, how does this apply? Um, equally, I think it's as practical as can be to know where you're going, right? So when we think of practically how do you drive, we might think of, oh, is there a stick shift or not? You might think of car repair, how to turn, signaling, right? All these kind of things you learn in driver's ed. That's what people often want from the Bible, practical, immediate directions. But if you have no idea of where you're going, what's the point of driving? And so what Revelation does above all, there are, there are practical helps of various sorts, um, but what it mostly does is act as a kind of GPS, a God positioning system, to say where are you based on your behavior and your, your profession of faith, and where are you going, right? And if you're driving in a certain direction and it sure looks like you're headed to Babylon, don't deceive yourself and assume, well, no, I'm a Christian, therefore I must be headed towards the New Jerusalem, even though my GPS, Book of Revelation, is indicating I'm heading the other way. Mm -hmm. So having a vision of the beauty of God's new creation and the path that it takes to get there, which will include family life, devotional life, etc., but certainly includes your work life, Right? Um, having a vision of where you're headed is surely as practical a thing as could be, could be hoped. 
um, hope for. So that's what I'd say to that. Uh, it is all about the vision, all about the positioning uh, and the direction, the orientation of your life. The positive vision in the New Jerusalem. And I think Babylon is very practically helpful to remind you that the temptations of Satan can look very real and alluring. Yeah? But they will lead to certain destruction, which is also, of course, the part of Revelation people all know about. Don't sin or these awful things will befall you. And that's true. And it's good to remind ourselves of that. That's great. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dr. Sean McDonough. That was very interesting. Very no, my pleasure. Thanks, Hannah. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Sean McDonough talking about the book of Revelation and work. He has taught New Testament at Gordon-Connell Theological Seminary since 2000. He also remains active in ministry, teaching Sunday school and preaching occasionally at First Congregational Church in Hamilton, Massachusetts. He is also a speaker for Medair, a Christian relief organization based in Switzerland. Thank you for joining us. For complete show notes, go to theologyofwork.org slash resources slash revelation interview. Join us for the next podcast, which will feature an interview with Catherine Leary-Olstorff.